0: self-published author and digital marketer Paul Teague.
1: Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys episode number 52 for Monday the 27th of February 2017. My guest today is Russell Holden who's a book designer with over 15 years of graphic design experience. He manages layout, page design, creating covers, interiors and even photo tweaking for all book genres. Russell's services are currently listed on the Readsie site, and he runs his Pixel Tweaks imprint from the Lake District in Cumbria, helping authors to get their pages out of Word documents and into printed form. Russell has also self-published his own book and helped to publish more than 30 other books alongside indie authors. When I chatted to Russell, I started by asking him how he got involved in publishing in the first place. Uh, I was in
2: the marketing department. I was a graphic designer in the marketing department of an educational book company, um, and so it was mainly the uh, the everyday uh, life of a, a a marketing designer. So it was catalogues, brochures, flyers, uh, and, and anything else that the, the company uh, could throw at us, really, that, that needed doing.
1: And were you interested in books and publishing at the time, or did your interest come from that experience?
2: It, it did come from that experience um i have i i i moved up to cumbria about 20 years ago and my first job up here uh was working at a printers and so i learned the uh the trade if you will from a, a printing press and I, I was fascinated how uh something was put together uh, the, you know the smell of the ink <laughs> uh, and the, uh, the the roar of the printing press um, it was a, a just a single colour printer, so it, it was nothing complicated. I don't think I could have managed a, a four-colour printer. But um, that was where my interest uh, really started in, in all this, because from the printers, uh, I then went to another printing company and um, trained there as a graphic designer.
1: So when we talk about graphic design in, in all of its richness, what what does that entail you doing? Were you doing things like designing book covers and, and maybe inserts and illustrations in books. was it? Were you getting your hands dirty like that from a publishing point of view?
2: Um, occasionally, yeah, the, the company that I, I worked with had a marketing department and a publishing department and uh, on, on occasions we do work for the publishing department and so that did entail uh, creating the covers for some of these books. Uh, And sort of doing little bits of the inside sort of thing, but uh, that was mainly done by the uh, the publishing department by the editors of the company. Uh, But uh, yeah, I mean that's where I got the feel for for the whole uh, format of it and the um, uh, the working of it really.
1: And how much of a a taste for the industry did you get from there? Because there would have been all sorts of other things going on within that within that business did you did you get a sense of that did you get an appetite for that
2: um it, i i did uh it, we actually did a, a couple of um uh, sort of uh, in the marketing department we did a couple of jobs for local authors um for the company um and that really introduced me to the concept of self publishing um, aside from a publishing company that that someone could sort of walk off the street if you will and um, have written a book and that book be transformed into something published something on waterstone's bookshelf or whatever Um and so it, it did really open my eyes to that concept um, and how uh, from a graphic design point of view how sort of not easy, but uh, what a, a sort of quite a simple process it was, um, taking the skills that I'd already acquired.
1: Now, when you and I first met in, in Cumbria, which is our home county, I think you were doing more um, sort of gra- graphic stuff rather than um, self-publishing stuff. Is that what you moved into when you moved out of the that publishing arena? <sighs>
2: Uh, it was, yeah. yeah. So from there, from from the uh, publishing company, I, I went uh, self-employed and I, I did it. I was a, a job in graphic designer. So your business cards, your letterheads, your brochures, your, uh, anything, the logos, anything that, uh, that landed in my lap, uh, I'd be happy to do.
1: And then um, I'm interested because uh, as, a, as an indie author, we're all self-employed. We're all, self-employed. Uh, we're, we're all you know, looking for the next job and looking to, to keep the roof over our heads. Um, just on a personal note, how did you find the, the transition from employed work and the, the lovely salary coming in every month to the, the, you know, the struggles and the, uh, the challenges of being self-employed? Was that something you took too easily? I, I have been self-employed in the past, years ago. Uh, so it wasn't
2: totally new territory. I knew what to expect however uh, I, I wasn't self-employed as a graphic designer before and so yes it, it did uh, come as a bit of a shock to the system having to actually go out there to to network to um really to sell yourself or sell your services um, and get people to trust that uh, trust in your services and trust in in your ability to, to deliver really
1: I mean Interestingly I think I can't remember how long it was that you and I uh, you met Bet down in South Cumbria doing a training session and then I, I heard about you again from uh, another contact it's a, more networking and that contact said oh um, Russell's now moved into into self-publishing I thought, oh that's very interesting so when, when did that <laughs> transition occur and was it, was it a natural thing or did it just was it just one of those things that you know ca- came your way and you thought well actually I know all about this?
2: It was yeah. Um, I Through uh, another contact, this this was um, uh, actually while I was still at, at the publishing company, um, a, a friend of mine approached me and said, "Oh, she was um, she was typing out a manuscript for someone, and uh, this chap just wanted a he, his uh, his manuscript converting into a book. Could, could I do it for him?" So I said, "Well, why not?" Yeah, and so that's how I cut my teeth, um, and it was um, perhaps about three or four years later that this chap came to me for his second book. um, And I thought, well, yeah, I'll do a better job this time. (laughs) I've got a bit more experience. And so we took a lot longer to do that book together. Um, And coincidentally, at the same time, a friend of mine from Leeds, who is a self-publisher, was producing his second book and and needed help. And he'd... uh, because it was his second book he, he'd amassed quite a bit of um experience because he, he he'd published his own book himself and so he came round, and we both cobbled this book together um uh, and really gained a lot of experience from each other at, at that point and so that that's how it sort of snowballed and, and from then on um it, it, these were sort of uh, quite few and far between it was maybe one or two maybe a year that. Uh, uh, that sort of were dropping on my doorstep, if you will, every around uh, about 2012. And then from 2014, as my uh, <laughs> as these abilities sort of uh, uh, gained uh, or, or, or sort of spread abroad, if you will, um, I, I got a few more people sort of knocking on my door and saying, oh, I hear you can produce books. And, and that's how it snowballed, really.
1: Interesting then, you would have been at the time when we were just we were moving out of what they call vanity self publishing you know when people would write a book get get 5000 printed and then gather, gather dust in the garage you would have just been over that transition period where it was just tipping into something really huge i think then
2: well that's right the, the very first book uh, that we produced uh, with the, the chap who, who approached me through a friend uh, we took it to a conventional printers and um it cost you know sort of quite a, a lot of money it was it was sort of 1200 pounds or something wow. uh, to get this book printed um but by the time um i'd met up with this this friend of mine from leeds he was the chap that introduced me to lightning source and uh his second book was printed for something daft like 300 pounds or something um and, and so yes it, it was it, there was that transition period between um it being something like say a a vanity that that you would um that you would put your life savings into sort of thing uh to something that was very affordable
1: and interestingly, even in self-publishing terms, you just dated yourself there because you got it published through Lightning Source, whereas us new kids on the block do it through Ingram Spark. Um, uh, so, so you, could always, right, yeah. you yeah. could always date a self-publisher by whether they're using um, Ingram Spark or, or Lightning Source. So, so what was Lightning yeah, Source yeah. like then? Because uh, again, you know, this was a first iteration in many respects of that service.
2: Yeah, um, it was. It, it, I, I remember. Um, filling out all the forms for um uh, to to sort of to to open an account and uh there was sort of reams and reams and reams of these forms and uh and then the 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 interface for the website was very clunky and um it, it, it the communication wasn't brilliant but uh uh but I mean, since then I, I've opened Ingram Spark accounts for people and it's literally just a commute you, your debit card and that's it sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it, it, it has progressed very much over the over the four years since then.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I've got to give them credit because I've I've used them for a couple of years, and, and I think they're making real efforts in Spark to just uh, you know come up to a level with something like CreateSpace, which is an absolute breeze to use. And I think they're doing a lot of brilliant um, author education too, which is fantastic. So so, so good on them.
2: Yeah, think- that's Yeah, their their uh, self help videos are brilliant. You know, they, they have uh, they have a dozen or so on there that that explain the, the, the different stages step by step, and it is, it's it's not a it's not a mystery it's it's open to to anyone uh, you know who, who wants to go down that route to find out all the information they need to publish.
1: Now the, the other thing about um, you publishing books in, in that way is that you have had to get ISBNs as well which I assume you got UA, UK ISBNs via Nielsen is that correct? That's right yeah yeah. How was that experience for you because I remember even two years ago when I first did it I was astonished that they were sent to me manually in a spreadsheet, yeah. which just was, you know, it's the twenty first century, guys.
2: Come Exa- on, yeah. I see exactly that. Yeah, yeah, Um yeah, yeah. I, I'm on my third third lot of ISBNs now, and uh, this this last lot was literally. A, there's a, a web portal now, isn't there? You where uh, you, you you just sort of log in and, and they, they send you the the numbers sort of thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was. It was again that was. Yeah, that was uh, something that that has vastly improved since then.
1: So did the first ISBNs come on some old parchment and and done with a quill? No, (laughs) no, a (laughs) pigeon delivered them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I think they even they were a bit embarrassed. I saw a guy from <laughs> Nielsen talking. Was it last year at an event? I think even they were a bit embarrassed by that. And I don't think the electronic portal could come soon enough, even for them. So right. uh, it, It's fair enough. But um, so you're on your third lot of ISBN. So so you're. Uh, I know you've. I think you've done thirty books now. Is it, is that the latest tally, or higher than that now? Uh,
2: it'll just be a little bit higher. So I think it's about thirty-five. And you have to get
1: ISBNs yeah. for all of those? Have you?
2: Yeah. No. No. So some of these are for. Other publishers uh, so I do quite a bit of work for uh, a publishing company called Handstand press which is based in Sedba and uh, I, I do uh, I create uh, uh, the, the books for, for that company as well for them um, and there's been a couple of independent publishers who have got their own ISBNs and I will I'll, I'll do the work and send it to the printers for them.
1: Now, before I, I dive into the house and, and what you do and the tools that you use and all of that, I just wanted to talk to you about your own self-published work. So you, you, you yourself have got a self-published work, and it's about a personal uh, medical experience that you had. And I'm going to try and say this correctly. Something called an acoustic neuroma. Uh, could you just describe what that is and how that led to you writing a book?
2: Uh, well, this was in uh, 2004. Uh, I had um, I, I experienced really bad facial pains. And after uh, a few months of uh, investigations, it, w- it was discovered that I had a tumour, and the tumour was sitting on my hearing nerve, uh, and it, it was called an acoustic neuroma. And uh, at, at the time, they said, well, there's three options. Uh, you either leave it in there to grow, um, we, uh, we use um, some kind of radiotherapy to shrink it, or we remove it. Uh, but unfortunately, um, the other two the, two of those options aren't open to you because it's the size of a walnut, <laughs> oh, right. and so uh, so they had to remove it. Uh, now, at the time, I, I looked up information about it, and um, this was uh, back in two thousand and four, and so there was lots of, of sort of official documents about it, but nothing, um, not many personal experiences. Um, but there's one chap who had um who'd written a diary this was in the days really before blogging had, had become a thing uh, and he'd written a diary um that had explained sort of how he'd gone for an op- uh, hospital appointment and how he was feeling after the operation all this kind of thing so i thought well i'll, I'll do the same and so that's what i did i, I just wrote a, a diary of my experience um uh, just sort of what to expect, really. And it was a bit of therapy for myself, but also it was it was sort of a bit of uh, just a bit of information that I sort of put down there. Um, and it, I I wrote the diary for uh, probably about six months, and then updated it every couple of months because it was getting a bit repetitive <laughs> after that. Uh, and then I updated it a couple of years later, and then um, it was being hosted on a free website, and and that went down and I'd slot the information I had the HTML sat there and so I um, I revisited it this was last year I thought oh well it seems I can do this I might as well just stick it in a book Um, and since then so that's been 12 years now um, no 13 years nearly since then I've also had a a bone anchored hearing aid installed as well uh, because the operation left me with single sided deafness and a loss of balance on my on my right side. And so I had this um, <laughs> this bone-anchored hearing aid, which is basically a, a screw in the skull with, like, a press stud on the end of it, and they stick a sound processor on there, and you can it, it transmits sound to the good ear, which is a, an excellent invention. It's fantastic. Uh, and so I included that in this book, uh, you know, the, the sort of experiences with the, uh, the Baja, they call them. And... Um, and um, yeah, so it was, yeah, I, I I produced it solely for people who are going through the same thing. Um, I don't expect it to be a bestseller, or but if anyone's out there and um, they're thinking, oh, do you know, what, what's going to happen? Am I after a couple of weeks? Am I going to be able to stand up straight? Am I going to be able to walk? Am I going to be able to ride a bicycle? Um, it, it, it's a bit of information. So, uh, <laughs> well,
1: books like uh, this yeah. are really really uh, important. If you if you find yourself in that situation um finding a book like that's like gold dust you know when you just can't get enough you can't get enough information about something when you if you That's got it, exactly this, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing that's what's interesting about this um that I want to just dig into is it's it's a non-fiction book but because you've used in your in your title and in your your wording your blurb you've used uh, acoustic neuroma and something that I'm going to make a complete pig's ear of a vestibular schwannoma schwannoma yeah is that that's right? it, yeah yeah the, yeah but you see, that's interesting because that's that's their very searchable keywords, those, those phrases. If you've got that thing, if you've got that issue, you're good to go online and look for that, and, and that should make your book very easy to find in that respect. Have you, have you ever thought of putting a blog up for it with that with those keywords in? Because this this gets my little spider senses tingling. Something like this.
2: <laughs> that's right. Well, I should do. Yeah, you right. I, I, I consider it because to me it's, yeah. it's a
1: keyword blessing that is uh, because uh, it's not going to be I don't know how many people um, get you know get this uh, have the same experience you you have a you know is it a one in a 100 a one in a 1000 something like that
2: um I I don't know the the statistics but uh yeah when I when I I mean since then I I I, I look up uh, the information every now and then and it is quite a regular uh, quite a sort of a uh, so, popular is not the right word, is it really? No, yeah, yes. I think more people have it than um, than we realise. Um, and once you've seen someone with one of these uh, sound processors stuck to the head, uh, you'll you'll see them quite often. You'll think, oh, there's another one. And I I've met uh, quite a few people just in the local area. Who have got these sound processes, or someone who says, "Oh, my my uncle's got one of those, or my granddad's got one of those, or my auntie's got," one, and uh, uh, they, they are. Um, you find many people do actually uh, do actually wear these things.
1: So, how did you find that experience of putting that book together? Presumably, it was a breeze because you've done so many of other people's, or or not?
2: Uh, it was um, at first because I, I had I all the information. I just I just sort of put it in there. But then I um, I felt the frustration uh, that uh, all these authors feel when they they come to me, and it's the frustration of. I um, just wanted to add a little bit more or, or just check it one more time or just uh, j- just spell check it again or, oh, no, hang on, i want to change that phrase. And I thought, no, they, they can, there's got to be a, an end point. There's got to be a point where you, you hand that over. Um, but it, it's really hard. It's really difficult to sort of say, oh, hang on, no, I'm going to, no, that's it, that's it, I've had enough, no, no, that's it, I'll pass it over. You've you, you uh, sat
1: through one of my sessions, haven't you? Have you heard my phrase, good enough to ship or good to ship? Was that, did I mention that in that session? That you I think were you actually, did, yeah, 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 yeah. Where, where, you know, it's good enough now, and w- there's perfection above that, but when it's good enough to ship, you've got to get the thing out of their eyes, you'll never publish it.
2: Exactly, that's it, exactly. That's so, true, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I want to ask you about how we've got covers, I know you do the formatting as well, so I just want to dig into the tools that you use to do what you do. Now, I'm guessing that when authors come to you, you're getting a Word document most of the time?
2: That's right. Yeah, but nine times out of ten, there's a Word document. Uh, I did get an old WPS file recently, which is... Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I, I know I haven't seen one of those since Adam was alive. Um, but uh, with that, fortunately, I, I did find a, a great little converter online uh, which um, converted a WPS to a .file, which is uh, uh, which is great. I just can't remember the name of it. Um which would be great for your listeners.
1: but it's not Zamzar? I'm very sorry. Is it it Zamzar? Yes, that's it. Zamzar, yes, yes, that's the one. It makes me look like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) Zamzar, fantastic file converter. It it turns anything into anything except rubbish into money. That's the only thing it won't convert. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. But, yeah, that was an excellent little uh, little tool for that. But, yeah, nine times out of ten, Word document file um, or um, uh, a pages file, if you will, if people have been using a Mac.
1: So after you've shed a little tear, because you've seen the Word document come in, and, and Word documents <laughs> are notoriously difficult to, to format, you then move that into a bit of posh software, because I've seen you using it in, in your office, um, which is an Adobe, from the Adobe suite. How, that's right, yeah. Um, well, just I always forget the name of it. What's it called? It's... InDesign. That's right, that's the one. So yeah, yeah. Now that, that's not for the faint-hearted InDesign, is it? I mean, you know, you need to know what you're doing, I think, with InDesign
2: you do yeah yeah um it's i i i can't remember the first time i used it now so i can't remember how how difficult it was um but it it is it is intuitive i all of the adobe things are they are sort of quite um over facing but once you start to use them in anger if you will they are very intuitive to use um but yeah, it isn't for the faint-hearted really.
1: <laughs> so you would import a Word document into InDesign, and then what, what do you actually do when you when you actually format a piece of work? What, what would you go through uh, in your role? Well,
2: first of all, uh, with that, that text document, uh, quite often what I would do is, is put it into uh, something like notepad or something like that and, and strip out all the formatting. Uh, any extraneous uh, word, uh spaces paragraph spaces or um, things where someone's gone a bit mad with the space bar or whatever um, get rid of all the uh, extraneous formatting and then import that into uh, indesign and so i've got a nice uh, clean uh, unformatted um, uh, text set of set of text that uh, that i can then so sort of begin
1: formatting and and then we're into fonts now I'm not a huge expert at this but we have um, is it we have sans fonts and and what, what are the other ones we've got serifs don't we we have serifs that's it yeah so, yeah um, yeah so so again uh, maybe people may be tempted to just format everything in Arial, which is not really a very good font I think I use Garamond when I do mine I quite like Garamond but that 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 is a serif font is it with the little bits on the end of the letters is that correct
2: that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just you should just do everything in Comic Sans. <laughs> uh, that's the that's the, the the font of the people. It's oh. just you know
1: it's so so user friendly, so happy to look at. <laughs> please no, please no Comic Sans. Yeah. Well, what what do you go for? You must you must go for a, you go for serif font. Do
2: uh, I, I? I will I will again nine times out of ten I will go for uh, Garamond. Yes. Um and uh, the uh, the Adobe version which is Adobe Garamond um just because it's it's a nice font to work with it's clear uh it, it's uh, it converts well to um, italics and bold um and it's just a, a nice a, a nice all-rounder
1: one of the things that's always a sure sign of somebody who's a new web designer is they've got too many things on it there's you know bells whistles and flashy things and all sorts they don't go for clean design now i'm guessing um you know with fonts uh, people who aren't experienced in this tend to—I uh, mean, you alluded to, to it there with comic sounds, you know—but it's serious, isn't it? People yeah, do yeah. tend to go over the top with fonts, and I, I, I think plain and, and consistent is, is a good policy.
2: Oh, that's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Readable, uh, readable at, at different um, sizes, um, legible at different sizes as well, and um, yeah, something that draws the eye in, but also obviously if you are going to put it into a book it, it you've got to make sure that it's licensed um you, you can't just use any any font um well, without checking the you know the, the licensing of it first um but then uh, yeah let's say it's something that uh is is it going to be um uh, confusing into the eyes you know especially if you if you've got um, sort of problems with dyslexia and, and that kind of thing that uh, you know it, it, it's easy to it, it's easier or, or nicer just to have a nice fresh look to it
1: when you're um formatting in in design i presumably you're you're did you have to do a separate uh, version for uh kindle and for for print and 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 when you're doing for kindle i mean on a kindle you could have just the, the font size anyway within the Kindle. Does that give you any extra considerations?
2: Yeah. It, when you're formatting a book, laying it out, uh, okay. you, uh, you spend all these hours making everything really nice and uh, formatting the text and putting nice headers there and pagination. Uh, but then when you come to convert it to a Kindle, you just strip all that out, take off your pagination and You just left with the bare bones, (laughs) just because, like you say, different kind. You can read a Kindle on any format, whether it's your phone, your iPad, a computer screen, and so. uh, The it it, you can't put any official any not official any um, any formatting in there that's going to sort of stand um, stand the test of all these different formats.
1: I think pretty well you only put a page break in, really, if you want to use page breaks.
2: That's it, exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's the only thing you can do, really. Well, and, and headers.
1: And, and headers, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, do you ever have to put illustrations into books? Uh,
2: oh, yeah, yes, yes. We uh, uh, I'll either... Uh, either uh, have a, um, a collection of photographs that someone wants to put in, in a book or um, they will have some uh, illustrations. I've just been doing um, a couple of books for a lady from Staveley and she's written some lovely books about squirrels. Uh, and these are the adventures of the red squirrels um, and a local girl has um, has done all the illustrations for these and they are, they are fantastic, really nice. Um, and so that's just a matter of sort of placing them on the page. Other times, uh, someone might come to me and say, "Oh, I'd love some illustrations, but I don't have an illustrator." And so um, I'll source an illustrator for them, whether they want just sort of simple line drawings or, you know, a, a nice painting sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it all depends on on the the author and, and sort of what they're trying to what they want trying to achieve, really. I mean, sometimes they'll say, "Oh, I want something." Uh, nice watercolors, but I'll say, well, uh, this is the budget for watercolours. I go, Oh no, okay, no mind, I'll just have a couple of sk- <laughs> line drawing <drum laughs>
1: <That's right>.
2: instead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it all depends on, on, on budget and, and preferences really.
1: Now I, I want to ask you a bit of a personal question because when I've been when I've been formatting mine um, for uh create space, the one thing that I found insoluble is when you have a, a chapter, a chapter end, or a, or, a, or a paragraph end, and you've just got a little bit of gap at the end of the page, and, it, and maybe you've got a chapter or a, a part heading, and it just doesn't quite fit on. It doesn't make sense if you have the heading on its own and then the text, so you have to knock it on, but that leaves a slight gap at the end of the page. What is the official? What's the official solution to that? Is, is there one?
2: Uh, well, there's prayer, <laughs> um, and then after that, there's um, no, well there's a couple of little tricks you can do uh you you can uh perhaps just uh make the size of your text box just slightly bigger uh so that it'll include that those couple of words or uh you could perhaps even um uh, just tweak the the justification just on that that one page so that it's just slightly different uh but not noticeable enough um you know for it to be a um, a, a problem, um, or even just do a bit more editing and and take out that last sentence.
1: Well, do you know Often that's what I did. I just thought, out know that. Yeah. Uh, that's getting cut. That bit, and then it all it all lines up. But it's a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. It? That's it. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a nightmare for somebody like you who knows what they're doing. Not you know, not just somebody like me who's blundering through. Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there are times when
2: I I do re- really like something to look neat on the page and. Like you say, if there's just a couple of words, a sentence, especially when you're doing uh, text wrapping, if you if you're wrapping a, your your words around an image, around a, an illustration or a photograph, um, and there's just an odd couple of words at the bottom, they call them orphans. Um, it, it is very frustrating, and, and it does take a little bit of tweaking, and uh, you get it just right, and then. Uh, when it goes through the proofing stage, the author says, "Oh no, can I just delete a couple of words up here?" <laughs> and then uh, you're back to back to uh, <laughs> back to where you were before. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it is it's sort of there's a bit of OCD uh, associated there with, with sort of trying to get everything to look nice and, and neat on that page.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of in the end, I kind of went with it needs to look visually pleasing and sensible. That's what I, that's what I went for, rather yeah. than incongruous on the page. That's it exactly right. yeah
2: yeah,
1: and you mentioned orphans and widows and this is something that authors need to know about. You've mentioned the orphans. Uh, what, what are the widows? Um, the widows
2: are the uh, if you haven't got enough. Hang on, uh, no,
0: so the I've
2: orphans. Tested,
1: isn't are, it is, isn't it? <laughs> The orphans. Um, actually, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, because I never have. I can never remember it. Either. No. I tell you what, I'll do. I'll I'll stick it's I'll stick a little bit on, of explanation on your show notes. All right, and then and yeah, we'll, thank uh, you. And we'll gloss over this. Uh, yes, uh, thank you. But it's like it's one of those things. I can remember somebody um, saying, "Oh, I went for an interview for a web designer's job, and they asked me what." HTML means, and I said, "Well, what a pointless question! Who cares what it means? It's more important about you know what it does and how to deal with it. That's that's more important than knowing what it means." Um, yeah, that's, that's my philosophy. Exactly <laughs> right. We will put an explanation of orphans and widows on, on, yeah. on the page because it'll help actually r- remind me what it is. But there. There are things you need to know about and they're things you need to deal with when you're when you're doing this sort of thing um, another little technical um, question for you russell sorry and i'm sorry i'm if i'm asking you hard questions
2: actually there's also something called snakes have you ever come across snakes oh, no in, i've never and, heard of a snake yeah it sometimes when you look at a uh, page of text you'll see um a line that looks like a snake going down the middle of your text oh yes uh, no. and that's something else that that can be uh just sort of tweaked with a bit of justification and, and that kind of thing. But uh yeah, look out for snakes next time.
1: Oh okay, how well. interesting. I didn't know but yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Um it's like a sort of almost like a sort of zebra zigzag thing through through the page, yeah. yeah. Um just that, like an optical optical illusion almost uh caused I'll by say, the yeah, print. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh there we go. Well there you go, we've learned something. I didn't never heard of yeah. snakes before. Um the thing I was gonna ask was about image size. Now um I just thank this up for people who don't know. But when you have a lot of images in a book and you have it in a Kindle, depending on what commission rate you've got, you may find that you're charged the download costs for the for the images. So um, if you, I think it's if you're at seventy five percent, sorry, pardon, seventy percent royalties rates, you have to pay for the download costs of the images, which is not a huge amount. But you have to watch it if you're selling a lot of books. But if you're at thirty five percent, you don't pay for those image download costs. So the reason I'm I'm saying that is. I want to talk to you about image size, Russell. That when you put images right. into a book, um, do you have? Um, put your fingers in your ears if you don't like this sort of stuff, this technical stuff. But you have a DPI, presumably, but that you're aiming for dots per, per inch, is it? Um, with images, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. So with, with an image, three hundred DPI is the is the norm. Um, anything less than that, uh, well. Anything a lot less than that, you'll start to get uh, they'll look low resolution, they'll they'll look a bit blurry. In fact, um, my uh, the book that we were talking about earlier on, the the book that I've produced, um, there's about half a dozen photographs in there, uh, and I I only had the versions that I'd made web ready when I was putting them on the the web diary, and they look shocking, they really do. But I've, I've put them in the book because it illustrates certain certain. Uh, times uh, but uh, it, it does it, it they look slightly blurry and um, they, they just they just don't look uh, and pixelated as well they just they just don't look right and um, so that's why so 300 dpi uh, is the the recommended uh, the rec- recommended size
1: and if i remember rightly when you upload to kindle i think it does flag that there might be an issue with your images if they're too low a quality doesn't it so i'm sure i remember that
2: yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean and and again if they're too high, if they're too low or they too high it's quite often you you've got to sort of um do a bit of to and froing to uh, to get the resolution just right. Uh, i have I've found this with the create space when I I uh, uh I used that recently. I, I uploaded my cover uh and again it, it was going backwards and forwards. I uh, it didn't well I didn't put I, I put a, a, a seventy two DPI cover up first of all and didn't like that one so I tried 150 dpi and didn't like that one and then the 96 and and yeah sometimes there's a bit of trial and error getting this right.
1: Yeah absolutely when, when you've done when you've got your InDesign file ready in what file formats are you then exporting that then to, to upload to create space you're still using Lightning Source rather than Spark, I think presumably the new, new accounts will be Spark.
2: Uh, yes yeah i'm still using lightning source um a pdf and it's a um uh it's a, a print ready pdf it's not just your sort of average uh view on screen pdf it, it's got to have uh, uh the uh, crop marks in there the bleeds and uh, a sort of output for um prints so or that's output um to cmyk ready uh ready for print. right
1: okay now i know that that I know that sounds geeky and technical, but but let me tell you something that I've come across in. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I got frustrated with Ingram Spark actually, and, and CreateSpace doesn't have this. Embedded fonts, you know, you know the embedded font issue with yeah with these. Could, could you? This is something that I didn't know about, but I've to my great pleasure I've learned about in self-publishing. Um, what is an embedded font? And why is it important when you upload it in a, in a PDF version of your book?
2: So, if you um, if you write your book and use Garamond, um, and then send it to uh, a, a printer that doesn't have Garamond, or uh, show it to somebody else that hasn't got Garamond, if they open it up on their screen, uh, it will just um, translate that text to a generic font, so it might be Arial or Times or something like that. But if you embed it, it's sort of, um, it, it's, uh, it, it's keeping it uh, enclosed when, within that PDF uh, and uh, making sure that there isn't any errors when it comes to printing the text.
1: And I will flag up for people who haven't used Ingram Spark before. I know because I talked to the, the gentleman from Ingram Spark for the podcast that they, they're aware of this and they're gonna deal with it eventually. When you upload to Create Space, it doesn't bother about that, it sorts it for you. But with Ingram Spark you will often get um, your PDF, it'll say sorry, you know, it's not embedded font. you need to go away and sort that and I know I had a lot of headaches with that, trying to work out how okay. they you embed fonts uh, it'll be done in uh, in design, presumably. But when you go from Word to a PDF, which is what I was doing, it's a lot more complicated.
2: Yeah, it, well, it's it's the PDF setting uh, when you when you uh, when you create the PDF. It's it's at that stage that you um, that you use a PDF output setting that uh, that will embed your fonts and uh, flatten any transparencies and. Uh, sort out the um, uh, sort out the cmyk issues for you and uh, it, everything else really do the washing up and uh, make sure the windows are clean and do everything for you
1: <laughs> so that that's got the inside of the book we haven't even done the outside of it yet and, and you do the covers as well so um where did you sort of learn that because that's that's a that's quite a fiddly and technical thing I know this because of spine widths. You you need to know the number of the pages to determine the spine width, and you've got to make sure the prints all align. And oh, I'm other people do it.
2: <laughs> oh, that's it exactly. Yeah, uh, I mean, because of my graphic design background, covers uh, you know are no problem really, um, and uh, I, I'm I'm always happy uh, to be led by the um, by the author. Uh, you know, they have a, a generally have a vision uh of, of how they want things to look or um they'll have a, an image themselves that they'll say oh i really want to u- use this sort of photograph of my mum or whatever but yeah so I, i'm very much led by the uh, by the author and let like you say uh, spine widths um generally right at the end of the project when we know how many pages there are going to be um the uh, lightning source do a cover generator and so you put in the information, the size of the cover, uh, how many pages, the weight of the paper, and um, they will then send you uh, an InDesign file uh, with all that information on, with a with a correct spine width and all the bleeds and everything you uh, everything you need. It's so very just handy.
1: Just explain a uh, bleed for people who don't know what bleed is.
2: Sorry. Yes. When you uh, when you have an image on a page. Uh, when the uh, when the page goes to uh, to the printers or, or the, the, when it's been finished, uh, the, the page is cropped to the right size. And so if you uh, allow your image just to overlap the edges of the page by two or three millimetres, when that cropping takes place, you, you get a nice, clean edge to your, uh, to your image, and so you don't get any sort of thin white lines or... Um, sort of anything that's uh, uh, just sort of been chopped off unnecessarily sort of thing but um, uh, so, so whenever you're doing something of like a cover where if the if the, the, the image is going right to the edges uh, then you, you overlap by let's say it's three millimeters.
1: Now the other interesting thing about the way that, that, that you work with authors is that you've got a couple of imprints for Pixel Tweaks, your business. Could could you just explain what having an imprint means? Because we hear a lot of people setting these up now, a lot of indie authors are actually setting up their own imprints nowadays. Uh,
2: In order to, um, this is going back to the ISBNs, in order to to order your ISBNs, you need to have an imprint. And so um, the imprint I use is Pixel Tweaks Publications um, and... Uh, that is my sort of publishing handle if you will um, but uh, the imprint uh, is, is something that you can um, you, you sort of not sorry I'm rambling a bit here uh, you, you, you're not fixed to one particular imprint so if for instance you uh, do a lot of children's books you might want a particular imprint for your children's books sort of I don't know Happy Valley Publishing or something. Uh, if you do a lot of historical books, uh, you might want an imprint which is sort of you know Sturdy Castle Publishing. And so you have um, different imprints for different genres. Uh, I know this is how the, the big publishers uh, big publishers work, uh, but I, I mean I just have the one. I just have the Pixel Tweaks Publications. But uh, uh, but it's it's sort of an identification of your uh, of your of your business if you will yeah
1: <laughs> so 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 you could you, you could make them up so long as you're not using somebody else's I, I'm guessing it's like like naming a business in many respects
2: exactly that's it yeah yeah
1: fantastic yeah so, that, so that's what an imprint is and anybody can have an imprint because it sounds really posh when people say oh yes love it I have an imprint uh but it's just the a name a, 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 a name under which your collection of books comes out that's all it is that's it. it
2: that's it exactly yeah yeah yeah
1: you have on your Facebook page this amazing array of the 30 or so books that you've now been involved in producing. You must get a real sense of pride, actually. I know you didn't write them all, but you've worked on them all uh, and put a lot of hours in. You must get a real sense of pride when you see all those books on that visual shelf that you've created on your Facebook page.
2: It is, yeah, it is. It's. Uh, I, I do sit there quite often and look at the bookcase and go, yes. I, I'm very proud. I'm very proud to have had a part in all these. Uh, but it, it is... It's, to to me all, all these books represent um a, a great uh, sort of deal of um, a great investment in in time with the authors and sharing the enthusiasm of the author of of each of these books uh, it, it's a real privilege to sort of have a little bit of a glimpse into into their um, into their lives and and sort of the, something that has been the the passion uh, for you know for for many years for some people and and this has been the lifelong uh, you know, sort of achievement to to produce a book and um, it, it is it's a real nice sort of sense of accomplishment not just the the sort of physical work of it but you know the, the fact that um, I've been able to contribute to. You know, to sort of the ambitions of all these people.
1: If you were going to give um, authors coming to you some advice about how, what sort of state to bring their work to you in, what what would you say? How how could authors make life easier for themselves? Uh,
2: I would say, um, have you get your work to a a ninety nine point nine nine percent finished. uh, Finished state before uh, before you take it or before you take it to a producer before you to bring it to for someone like myself, um, and then it's just a matter of uh, formatting that. And because this is is this the end of the process, you know you, you've done all the hard work, you've done the the writing, um, uh, you know get the editing done, um, get the proofing done, get everything done, and then uh, you can sort of sit back and watch your book being produced um and then that's the that's the short bit if you will i mean that that takes just a matter of weeks uh before you've got the the book in your hand um if it comes to me and uh, because i I mean i i'm not a a traditional publisher i I don't i won't read your manuscript and say oh yes let's let's go with this that's very good we can produce this sort of thing i'll i'll uh, produce your manuscript for you um but uh, i mean and and again if it comes and Someone says, well, it needs editing. Well, I can find edit an editor for you. But, again, that increases the, the price, you know, the cost-wise. So uh, if everything is in a, a finished state, then that's fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm, at the moment, I'm, I'm producing a book for a chap from Barrow. And it's a history of the Barrow steelworks. And um, he has presented uh, he presented me with an A4 folio. Of all the pages, um, with uh, the photographs in place, how they should be, all numbered, and a separate Word document with all the captions numbered, um, and and the Word document as well. Uh, and it's a dream to work with because it's every every page. It's just sort of copying how he's uh, how he's laid everything out. You know, just oh, and, and a bit of flourish there. But uh, but that that's that's the ideal ideal way of doing things. But uh, I, I know that it's it's not the uh, not everyone can, can, can sort of prepare something to that level, but uh, but that's that's the ideal.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the, the best you could do. And uh, I know you and I know each other locally, and I know you've mentioned local authors, but presumably because of the digital nature of what you do, you can actually work with people over the world.
2: That's right. I've even worked with someone from Harrogate.
1: Wow. The other end of the world <laughs> from Cumbria. Yes, yeah. that's it. <laughs> um, no, actually,
2: the first is a, a chap from the USA. So uh, that was... Um, uh, that was uh, interesting. We, we sort of did everything uh, via email or a couple of times via Skype. And, um, uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, that, that was something that we uh, that we did. And because Lightning Source or because Ingram is based in the USA, um, the printing side of things as well was uh, was a doddle.
1: Brilliant. Well, my last question mm-hmm. to you, it's always my last question, is uh, you know, thank you very much for coming on and explaining all of that to us. How can we find out more about you online?
2: I have a website which is uh, www.pixeltweakspublications.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at pxtwx and Facebook, Facebook uh, Pixel Tweaks Publications on Facebook too.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.